And so shall it be in Jesus' name. Okay, good evening again, everyone. Um, I'm humbled to be here uh, this evening. Um, pastors um, instructed me to take Proverbs 8. I was skipping Proverbs 7 um, this week. I'm sure pastor will take that next week because of content. So we're going straight to Proverbs 8. And we are in the book of wisdom. Call it our book of wisdom, part six. Okay? Everyone should have the outline. If you don't have the outline, just signal to the ushers and they would hand you one. If you are joining us online, we are um, delighted that you are there. We pray that as God ministers to us this evening, he would reach out to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So to start off um, this evening, the opening, um, just a question that says, have you ever gone against godly wisdom and what was the outcome so again this is an interactive session and everyone is um, uh, we implore you to participate as much as you can so we can learn from each other so anyone please please signify by raising your hands and the ushers will bring a mic to you have you ever gone against godly wisdom it's a question that makes you a little bit vulnerable no one is going to judge you have you ever gone against godly wisdom? And what was the outcome? Anyone? Anyone? Any takers? Okay, the choir is always there to help. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, I'm trying to be vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, there was an instruction given to me particularly to carry out and um, you know when words comes like that you try to weigh it on your own to see if if there's a shortcut you know to it and um, I was actually instructed to give and I measured it in my own and tried to cut it off and um, there was a downflow for me. Everything that was supposed to actually come in for me, that I hoped that, okay, when it comes in, I will now, you know, do it the way I was instructed to do. Nothing came in. Um, it was a terrible place to be. I had to see God's face, cried, and, um, you know, instead of me to even do what was left, I did above it and... The result, God was so merciful to me, so, so merciful because it's not, you know, when you, when you do things on your own, when giving instruction, it's, it's a worse place to be. But God was so merciful to me. I was able to repent of it and did above what I was asked to do. And there was a total turn around, total turn around. Thank God. Okay, that, that's a good one. Um, for, for me, uh, one of the godly uh, wisdom counsel that I was given was a simple one on, on Saturday, stay broken. <laughs> and on my Sunday, I totally threw that counsel away. No, by Monday, I forgot. We were given the counsel on, on Sunday evening, yes, 4 p.m. And by Monday, I had forgotten and I allowed myself to go. So unlike you, um, God was merciful for me. It was, God is merciful, of course, but for me, it was an instant 
You know when that's, um, the devil accuses you and say you, that was praying that prayer, lifting up your hand, God break me, you know? And I, I, of course, I've repented and there's always redemption in God. And I believe that the next time the devil comes with his um, tricks and his antics, I'll be well prepared. Say amen. Amen. And so for you as well, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, we are going to be reading Proverbs 8, it's 36 chapters of the scripture. So please join me as we read. It says, listen as wisdom calls out. Hear as understanding raises our voice. On the hilltop along the road, she takes a stand at the crossroads. By the gates at the entrance of the town, on the road leading in, she cries aloud. I call to you, all of you, all of you. I raise my voice to all my people. You simple people, use your good judgment. You foolish people, show some understanding. Listen to me, for I have important things to tell you. Everything I say is right, for I speak the truth and detest every kind of deception. My advice is wholesome. There's nothing devious or crooked in it. My words are plain to anyone with understanding clear to those with knowledge, choose my instruction rather than silver, and knowledge rather than pure gold. For wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with wisdom. I, wisdom, live together with good judgment. I know where to discover knowledge and discernment. All who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption, and perverse speech. Common sense and success belongs to me, wisdom speaking. Insight and strength are mine. Because of me, kings and kings reign and rulers make just decrees. Rulers lead with my help and, and nobles make righteous judgments. I love all who love me. Those who search will surely find me. I have riches and honor, as well as enduring wealth and justice. My gifts are better than gold, even the purest gold. My wages better than sterling silver. I walk in righteousness, in the paths of justice. Those who love me inherit wealth. I will fill their treasuries. The Lord formed me from the beginning. Before he created anything else, I was appointed in ages past. At the very first, before the earth began, I was born before the oceans were created, before the springs bubbled forth their waters, before the mountains were formed, before the hills was born, before he had made the earth and fields and his first handful of soil, I was there when he established the heavens and when he drew the horizon on the oceans. I was there when he set the clouds above when he established the springs deep in the earth, I was there when he set the limits of the seas so they would not spread beyond their boundaries. And when he marked up the earth's foundation, I was the architect at his side. I was his constant delight, rejoicing always in his presence. And how happy I was with the world he created. How I rejoiced with the human family. And so, my children, listen to me, 
For all who follow my ways are joyful. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Don't ignore it. Joyful are those who listen to me, watching for me daily at my gates, waiting for me outside my home. Wisdom has a home. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But those who miss me injure themselves. All who hates me love death. All who hate me love death. May Lord bless the reading and understanding of his word in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see from this scripture wisdom personalizing itself, so to speak. But again, you know, yesterday we were in a, in a meeting, um, a small group meeting, and we were arguing about male and female intelligence. But in the scripture here, you see, if you could put up that scripture, please, from verse 1, it says, he addresses wisdom in the feminine. She, her, a voice. She, so it doesn't necessarily mean that. You know, we're having an argument that um, men are more, women are more intelligent than men. If, if, if you agree with us, put up your hand. Eh? Men are more intelligent. Am I right? Uh, it, was, it, was, it was an argument. So, and uh, our mentor was giving us some parameters. But, <laughs> well, as God we have it. The scripture is addressing wisdom in the feminine, but doesn't necessarily mean wisdom is a woman. So I put out the disclaimer disclaimer right there. But we see wisdom being personified. That's the the bottom line. And what we're taught, Pastor taught us in um, the past series, because this, this scripture is just somewhat of a recap of everything we've done so far. So it makes my work um, rather easy. Of course, there are new, new facts to share, but it's a recap on everything Pastor has taught us from the part one of the series up until date. So, we see wisdom being personified. So, if you are filling out the gap, the first thing there says that Jesus is God's wisdom personified. Jesus is God's wisdom personified. The scripture says in Colossians 2, verse 3, that in him lies hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Pastor taught us, I mean, he used that scripture when he was teaching. So wisdom is, or rather, Jesus is God's wisdom personified. So if you could please put up um, verse 2 to 4 of the scripture. Now, this is wisdom saying. Wisdom says, on the heights, beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes a stand. Beside the gates in front of the town and at the entrance of the portal, she does what? She cries out, to you, O people, I call. And my cry is to who? To all that live. So, I want us to take note of The places wisdom is crying from. Wisdom is crying from some places. Very important. The first thing that comes at us, leave the scripture up, is that wisdom is crying from the heights. High places. Places of promotion. So for you being promoted, you in that place of promotion, you need wisdom. Wisdom is crying from the heights. Number two, 
Wisdom is crying from, it says, at the crossroads. Wisdom is right there, crying out at the crossroads. Crossroads are places where you have multiple options or decisions to make. Where they intersect, wisdom is right there, crying out to say, you know what, I'm here to help you. Wisdom is crying out at the crossroads. Number three, wisdom is crying out from the city and town gates from the scriptures. It says, besides the gates in front of the town, in front of the city, another version of scripture says in front of the city, is right there crying out. What, what, that will translate to territorial access. We've been told that no more losing territories in the name of Jesus. The wisdom to not lose those territories is available. It's standing there. I'm saying he, she. <laughs> wisdom is standing there. Territorial access. Crying out. Crying out to you. Crying out to me. And number four, wisdom is crying out from the entrance of the portals. That will mean access to doors. Because it's not every door that is opened that we should take. And it's not every door that is closed that we should ignore. If we, we've been taught again in church that if all we judge our lives by, are by open and closed doors, we will miss it. Because there are doors that are closed that we ought to break open. And there are doors that are open that we ought to discern by wisdom. Wisdom is crying out from the high places. It's crying out. It's crying out from the crossroads. It's crying out from the city and town gates. The territories you are about to take is crying out from the entrance of the portals. Wisdom says, I stand at the crucial, the critical, pivotal places and I lift up my voice. I'm calling loudly to everyone, not to some people. It says I'm calling to, take it to the last part, and I call to all, everyone that's alive, to everyone that lives. Why? Because I want them to make the right choices. Wisdom wants us to make the right choices. We have a lot of um, space for margin, so you could fill out your own original thoughts or replicate some of the ones that we give you from this place. Because why is wisdom wanting us to make the right choices? Why is wisdom taking this position? Why? Because wisdom knows the ways that we cannot see. Job 28 verse 7 says, Job 28 verse 7 says, There's a path which no fowl knoweth, and which the vulture's eyes at not seen, no fowl. So fowl there in translation means the birds of the air. And the birds of the air includes the hawks, the, the vultures, the um, eagles. And we've been told that the eagle's vision is very sharp. can spot tiny things from two kilometers away. They have the vantage position of height. They have the vantage position of height. Wisdom says, I'm at the highways calling to everyone who cares for direction. Everyone who cares. Everyone. No one is exempt. And why? Because my word, wisdom is saying, is a lamp for their feet and a light unto their path. So when you want to take a path, wisdom is there to illuminate the path. It seems like it's dark. You cannot understand where this road leads. But if you rely on wisdom, it says, I'm a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And the scripture tells us in Jeremiah 6 verse 16 that this is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads. So the Job 28 scripture speaks about heights. 
This scripture speaks about the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel is part and you will find rest. Are you weary? Are you troubled? Are you restless? He says, walk in the paths of old, the wisdom ways, and you will find rest. Well, of course, as human beings, we usually will reply saying, no, <laughs> that's not the road. I want my way, my logic, like our sister was saying, and like I, I did myself. Even though I wasn't verbal, verbalizing it, I chose the easy way out, the way of the flesh. How can you, and let me respond or react, not respond, react according to my flesh. Wisdom is saying, when we hit the crossroads at the intersection of our decisions, when it is tough, when it comes to choosing the right paths, I am your go-to guy. I'm the guy you go to to sort you out. Why? Two reasons. Number one, because I have the vantage position of heights, like we read from the scripture in Job 28. I see higher than you see. I have the vantage position of heights because the higher the go, you go, the further you can see. The Lord said unto Abraham, look from the place where you are. Lift up your eyes and look. You'll be able to see better. Don't mind Job. They just say choose. They just say, give me this one. Give me the one that, that he felt was, was lush. But you, Abraham, look. Have a vantage position to see from. The second thing that comes at us from these three scriptures in, in, in compared together is, I have the advantage of knowing the age-old structure God puts in place. The age-old structure. Why do we say that? Verse 22 of this Proverbs 8 we read says that the Lord formed me, that's wisdom, from the beginning. Before he created anything else, I was appointed when? I was appointed when? In ages past. At the very first before the earth begun. So wisdom is as old as God's creation. I like the way the voice translation puts it. It says, the Lord formed me in the beginning. Before he created anything else. From ages past, I existed before the earth began. I existed before scientists began, began to carry out their researches. I existed before the sages began to introspect and even contemplate about the things that God has created because I was right there. You know, and there's this Igbo proverb that I find um, interesting that says that what an elder sees sitting down, right? A, a child cannot see what? Standing, you know? Can anybody translate that, um, that, um, that in Igbo? Who will help us? Uh, see Mr. Kataya now. Help us. In Igbo, in Igbo. Please, someone. Okay, somebody, please. What an elder sees. Yeah, thank you, sir. Okay. 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 Ah, me. What an elder will see. You know, the literal translation of that, I mean, literally, what it means that what an elder sees will see lying down. A child that climbs up the Iroko tree will not even see it. And that's what wisdom is saying to us. That look, I have been there because I am an elder. Moti Dagba, I've been there from the beginning. I was right there when God was creating everything. I can see. I'm your go-to guy. Trust me for direction. Hallelujah. Okay, moving on. Verse 5. 
of the scripture says. For everyone, even the foolish and the feeble can receive an understanding heart that will change their minds. That's in the Passion Translation of the scripture. Pastor taught us in part one of this wisdom series that there are two groups of people that needed wisdom, that can receive wisdom. And the first one was the simple. And he defined the simple as the naive, the I mean, seductible people, those that know that they do not know so that they can know. The moment you take that posture of, I do not really know, you'll be able to know. And it's instructive for every one of us because sometimes we feel like we know and the fact that we don't really know because if you think you know, there's something that you do not know. And secondly, he talked about the young. And the young did not necessarily mean those that are young in um, flesh or bone. He meant the people that will, nest, that will take the posture of lack of experience. They are enthusiastic. They are optimistic. They are teachable. People with teachable spirits. Those are the people he said will benefit from wisdom. But this scripture, if you put it up, is adding one more to that category. Those two groups. And he calls them what? The foolish. He says the wisdom is not only for the, the naive, it's not only for the, the young, but it's also for the foolish. So who's the foolish? Anyone showing signs or making stupid decisions. That's the foolish. The foolish is anyone that's silly in their attitude. That's the foolish. The foolish is anyone that lacks good sense and good judgment. That's the foolish. The foolish is anyone that has a closed mind. That's the foolish. Anyone that is self-confident will qualify for a foolish person. Is anyone that is weak-minded, those people will qualify. If you know anyone that's weak-minded, the person qualifies for what the scripture calls a fool. So what are we seeing here? Wisdom has not exempted anyone. Treating the naive, treating the young, treating the foolish. Wisdom is saying that even a fool, even a fool can start from somewhere. Can start from somewhere. That's why he says that for the fool and the fool can receive underst an understanding heart that will change their being. Even the fool can receive an understanding heart. So the question is to you and I, right, is can a fool... Or a foolish person become wise. You can fill, out, fill that pattern. Then we need someone to answer the question. Can a fool or a foolish person become wise? If you say yes, how? If you say no, why? Who go? Come on. Let's make it interactive, please. Can a foolish person? I know there are scholars in this house. Sir, you want to go? Huh? Yes, you do. Can you hand him over the mic? Okay. Good evening, church. Good evening. Good to be back. I've missed home. Good to see you as well. <laughs> we missed you too. <laughs> Obviously, from what you just read, wisdom addressing those who are feeble-minded, who are foolish. It says if they create a desire to learn, to want to, to get wisdom, hmm. then they can become wise. But absent that desire for wisdom, they will remain steeped in their foolishness. <laughs> yes. Okay. Anyone else, any other perspective? Anybody else saying no? I don't think a foolish person. Because sometimes you see some people do, you know, pastor was teaching us in the second um, series as well, how 
we ought to, you know, contemplate. Because you are walking down the same road over and over again. You go, you trip, you fall. And you look at it, hey, thank God I did not break my leg. Oh. You go back again, trip again, you fall. Ah, thank God I didn't break my hand. Oh. You go back, you trip again. Ah, people, they die for this kind of thing. Like, ah. you are, but you are not wondering why, <laughs> why that thing is there. And what you can do to either evade that thing or at least overcome that thing. You know, so is it true that some people have the inherent capability of being fools? Anybody has that? Okay, so we're all agreeing that. Pastor you have something to say? Okay, we're all agreeing that even the fool can become wise. And I agree with that. And the reason why I agree with that, I put up a scripture, Proverbs 13, 20. It says, if you want to grow in wisdom, this is why I think a fool can change. If you want to grow in wisdom, spend time with the wise. Spending time with the wise will take away every form of foolishness. My mom used to tell us that, you know what, small picking neck, not the bend for where old man day. Because they must straighten it for you. Either they use orioyo, bam, sometimes they slap, you know. Many things that neck must straighten, but we know we modern parents say, Leave him, you know, is this that it's a small picking neck, not a bend for where old man day and have uh, Mama, <laughs> hallelujah. Okay, so this scripture suggests that wisdom can be cultivated. So, if you're writing, fill that out. Wisdom can be cultivated, wisdom is cultivatable, it can be cultivated, something like that. Another story that comes to my mind in driving home this point of wisdom being cultivated is the story in Luke 23 about the thief. Luke 23 doesn't actually call him a thief. Luke 23 calls him a criminal. So this guy had obviously taken to a life of crime, which was a foolish thing to do. Am I correct? Right? Am I correct? Let's go together now. Come on. Okay. And then he got caught which was even a more foolish thing because if you're a criminal, you shouldn't be caught, isn't it? Am I correct? So now they brought this guy about to crucify him and he was hung, hung next to Jesus. But in a moment of wisdom, this guy looks to Jesus and says, Baba, today, as you receive your kingdom, remember me. That is wisdom right there. And wisdom says, you know, wisdom, Jesus' wisdom says, you know what, today you'll be with me in what? In paradise. But guess what? There was another fool right there. And what happened to that guy? He insisted on being a fool and said, you know what? This guy cannot even save himself. And what was his story? Imagine if he had said, he said, me too, me too. Today, as you enter paradise, remember me. Perhaps his story would have been different. So there we see two people. (laughs) One of them unable to come out of his foolishness, but the other one was able to find redemption from foolishness. So, what is the lesson here? The lesson here for, I mean, you and I is that we need to stop taking pride in our foolish decisions. We need to stop taking pride. That thing that makes you say, that's how I am. And you know, everybody knows that that's me. You know, that, that's me. That's the way I, I do my things. You know what? Your boat is drifting further into dangerous waters. And you are saying, that is how I am. Put up your sails already and save yourself. Save yourself. That's how I am. Everybody knows. That's how I am. You know, on a lighter note, the story is told of a 
little old, a little woman in, in a little home that had a little hen in a little town called Sicily. So this woman's little hen lays a little egg and she makes an omelet out of the little egg and puts it at the window. You are wondering <laughs> to cool down. Who puts egg at the window to cool down? And then a fly came and gobbled up all the omelette. Can you imagine that? A fly eats a whole omelette. That brings the ridicule in the story. But follow. And the woman got very upset and went to the magistrate of the town to report to the fly that the fly had gobbled up its omelette, her omelette. And then the magistrate said, you know what, okay, here's a bat. I'm sure you will see that fly again. When you see this fly, make sure you use this club and smash the fly. Little had he finished speaking, a fly just landed on the magistrate's nose. <laughs> and the rest, the rest is history. But you know what? Put up that scripture again, Proverbs 13, 20. The Bible is saying to us that even that woman, as foolish as she has been, she can be changed if she spends time with wise people. So regardless of how bad the situation can be as regards people's character flaws in terms of foolishness, they can be changed according to the scripture. Praise the Lord. Okay, so moving on. Like I said, it's a ref like a refresher on what pastor has already taught us. In part two, we were also taught about the channels of wisdom. Anyone here can remember, just quickly breeze through the five. Anyone, quickly, channels of wisdom. Okay, okay, give, give the mic. Books. Yes. That's one. <laughs> the five? Come on. All right, okay. Anyone else, real quickly, five channels of wisdom. Okay. Mommy, but it looks as if you are looking at your note, too. Uh, no, that disqualifies you more. <laughs> give her the mic, give her the mic. Okay. Inspiration. Okay, don't look again, don't look again. <laughs> yeah? Construction. Construction. Instruction. No, no construction. No. Books. Okay. Um. Uh -huh. <laughs> 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 Impartation. Okay. And contemplation, and contemplation. And observation, <laughs> and experience. Let's clap for mommy. But you see, um, which is part of what this teaching is about. The wise thing we all could actually do is to go back to those things that we have been taught and regurgitate on them until they become part of us. Regurgitate on them over and over and over again. Contemplate on what you've been taught. Listen to the instruction. After all, that was even an assignment to us. We should know it off the top of our head. Every one of us, including me. So, verse 6 to 9. We're going to do verse 6 to 9 now. Wisdom is saying to us that you need to listen. One of the things that was... Um, given to us as a channel of um, 
of wisdom was instruction. Wisdom is saying, listen. That's the first thing. Listen to me. Listen to my instructions. I'm about to give you important things, important instructions. Wisdom is saying, listen, because everything I say is right. It's about to reel out a couple of things. Listen to them. I speak the truth. I distest every kind of deception. Listen. My advice is wholesome. There's nothing devious or crooked in my advice. Listen to what I am saying. So wisdom is saying to us that my, my, I'm trustworthy, my instructions are wholesome. My instructions are free from fallacy and falsity. Listen to what I'm saying to you. My instructions are free from crookedness. It is free from deviousness. Anyone can understand my instructions. All, anyone, yes. Anyone, yes. Why? Because wisdom says, I've made it plain. Put up the next scripture, please. In the, in the Living Bible Translation. It says, my words are plain and clear to anyone, even someone with half a mind. What's the criteria? The mind has to be open. Half a mind, open. I'm able to teach you. So, what's the point there? Our mind must be open to godly wisdom. Always. Always. Our minds have to be open to godly wisdom. An example, rolling with the punches of this season, we have been taught that to multiply, we need to... Come on. To multiply, we need to... Okay, we need to... Uh, <laughs> we need to... Come on, speak confidently. We need to bless it. Jesus blessed it, isn't it? Eh? To multiply, you need to do what? Pardon? Give it away. And to multiply, you need to what? Corroborate. Corroborate. So let's take something like corroboration. God is saying to you, to multiply, you need to corroborate. That's an instruction from the pulpit. It's not an advice. Because the reason why you are struggling is because you are not corroborating. One of the reasons why you are struggling. God is saying, corroborate. So that you don't struggle any longer. But you sit there saying, you know me, you know, I'm a lone ranger because people don't get me. You know, I don't like to uh, overstep my boundaries, you know, and all those excuses. But the truth is that you're doing yourself a disservice. Because none of us, as we've been taught, is as anointed as all of us corroborate. Why should you seek relationships in church and your community because they will help you multiply they will help you multiply your productivity in different areas of your life e.g. at work corroborate you get the work done faster corroborate with your spouse <laughs> no more saying I have a headache or I'm tired it kills intimacy corroborate <laughs> corroborate with people that have authority over your life your spiritual leaders why because when you do the gospel will prosper corroborate corroborate with God corroborate with constituted authority I don't know why I'm saying that again corroborate with collaborate with constituted authority same thing hallelujah so remember the more disconnected, Pastor taught us, the more disconnected you are from people, the less healthy, happy, and wealthy 
you will be. The more disconnected you are from people, the less healthy, the less happy, the less wealthy you, you will be. So when you isolate yourself from people because you say you don't want to be judged, you don't want anybody to be critical of you, guess what? You will be unhealthy, you will be unhappy, moody, and you will be broke. But not us in Jesus' name. By God's grace, I cannot remember the last time I was in a bad mood. Really, I was, when I was preparing, I was trying to think. Of course, you get into, you get into an argument, but I can't say that, that just takes my mood. I can't remember the last time I was sick that I had to visit a hospital. I'm not yet a billionaire, but yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> By God's grace, I'll be a billionaire in Jesus' name. Uh, you, and you too, and you too. Because we've been told, yes, that we will govern territories, wealth without compromising the name of Jesus. So, but I'm grateful to God that all my needs are met. And I can attribute it to my connectivity with the people that the Lord has blessed me with in this community. I can. And I'm not just saying it. God has given me in this community sisters that my mother did not give birth to. They know themselves. God has given me brothers that have my back. You know, a sister is waving to me, I wave to you back, you know. It's fact. God has blessed me with an amazing father that loves me and has my well-being right there. Stop being jealous. If you like it, cultivate it. It's as simple as that. Come on, let's clap. Give it up for papi. As simple as that. I have fantastic relationship here. Why? Because I am, I've chosen to follow instructions and collaborate. I know that I have people that have my back in this place. I know. Can I get an amen? amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> so come on. It's your own time. Collaborate. Form relationships. Cultivate relationships here. There are people, fantastic people that can speak into your life and turn your life around. Around. As in loaded cancel, loaded cancel in this place. And God will help you take away the scales from your eyes so that you will see as you ought to see and lead you to relationships you can collaborate with in this place in the name of Jesus. Amen. Verse 10 to 11, 18 to 19, 20 to 21. I'll read quickly. It says, Choose my instruction rather than silver, knowledge rather than pure gold, for wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with it. I have riches and honor as well as enduring wealth and justice. My gifts are better than gold, even the purest gold. My wages is better than sterling silver. I walk in righteousness, in paths of justice. Those who love me inherit wealth. I will fill their treasuries. Again, in part three, like I said, we're recapping a lot. In part three, pastor drilled thoroughly on the importance of choosing wisdom over gold. Who was, if you're not here, let me see your hand. Part three of the wisdom series. So everybody was here. Oh, beautiful. So, and if you're joining us online, if you want to access those, um, that teaching, you can go to our podcast and you'll be able to catch up because we're not, I'm not going to go into that because... I mean, I can't do any better justice on that than Pastor has already done. You know, but in summary, what I can say that for us to, I mean, to get a firm grip, I mean, get a firm grasp of wisdom so that you can create wealth. When you get a firm grasp of wisdom, you will inevitably create wealth. 
Because even the scripture tells us that it's the Lord that gives us the power to create wealth. The power to create wealth is in God's hands. You know, so and when we create wealth without compromise, we will be glorifying God's name. And of course, we'll be keeping our name in dignity because there's dignity in good in labor. That is the labor without compromise. You're not cutting corners. You're not compromising. You're not taking bribes and, and all that stuff. Praise the Lord. Verse 12. We're moving real quickly now because of time. Pastor also taught us, so I'm going to just gloss through that as well in part three of the wisdom series. That's something I just took out from the entire um, um, teaching to just remind us. It says, wisdom which includes knowledge and understanding. Put up verse 12 as well, please. Wisdom which includes knowledge and understanding is the key to creativity. All who fear the Lord will hate evil. No, verse 12, please. Verse 12 of the scripture. Verse 12. I'll read it quickly. It says, I, wisdom, live together with good judgment. I love where to discover, I know rather, where to discover knowledge and discernment. I know where to discover knowledge and discernment. And pastor has taught us that wisdom, which includes knowledge and understanding, is the key to creativity. Now, wisdom is saying, I know where to discover and add the discernment. So even the discernment for you to collaborate in relationships that will help you multiply. Because you know what? God has not called us to be suspicious. God says we should be discerning not suspicious of people. So if you are suspicious of people, it means that you are not discerning two different things. You should be able to discern the relationships in your life to know the ones that can actually be a bezalel or an early up to you. Not suspect them. Someone is blessing you, being nice to you, saying, yeah, I beg you, I just want giving me gifts. <laughs> you should know. Of course, we've been taught as well, not everything you... you you receive everything you're given, but you do not accept everything you're given. Two different things as well. So the discernment to be able to know which of these relationships you should collaborate with. The Bible is saying here, wisdom is saying, I know where you can discover it. Follow me, let me show you. Verse 13 to 16. Verse 13 to 16. It says, all who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride. Everybody say Pride. And arrogance, corruption and perverse speech, common sense and success belong to me, insight and strength and mind. Because of me, because of who? Wisdom. Kings and rulers make just decrees. Rulers lead with my help and nobles make righteous judgment. To fear God is really to despise and hate evil. To fear God is to despise and hate evil. If you see someone saying that they fear God, you know, and they entertain or condone evil things, especially in leadership, that's a pointer. That's a pointer. Wisdom says, I hate pride and arrogance. I hate corruption. I hate perverse speech. And if you look around the world we live today, you see people, especially in leadership, that are meant to hate those things that God that does not represent righteousness and justice, but they, they just blend in and you're wondering. And people begin to make excuses for them that you know what their hands are tired, they are tied, they, they have integrity. I say no. 
Because the scripture here says otherwise. No. Wisdom says kings, queens, rulers, and nobles, they reign by me. So does this mean that every leader, everyone in leadership today, everyone that's meant to be a king, or everyone that's meant to be a queen, you know what I mean? Everyone in a lofty, exalted position has godly wisdom. No. No. What qualifies the people that can be, that he's talking about here, are the ones that actually have the godly wisdom to, to, as a bedrock for their leadership. Those are the ones that promote justice. Those are the ones that promote righteousness. The foundation of their own throne is righteousness and justice. If those things are missing from their throne, then that is not a king or a queen being referred to here as the one God is calling um, um, up, up to the place of leadership. Let me, let me try and qualify this better. Look, we know secular knowledge that power corrupts. And they say absolute power corrupts absolutely. So it's not everyone that is wealthy or that is well-to-do in leadership that is being blessed by God, that is being promoted by God. It's not every ruler or aspiring ruler that seems to control wealth that is, being, that is being blessed by God. Not every. A good example is Nabal in the scripture. Nabal. If you go to 1 Samuel 25, 1 Samuel 25, it says, a wealthy man from Maon owned a sheep ranch there near the village of Camel. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats and was at the ranch at this time for the sharing of his sheep. His name was Nabal and his wife, a beautiful and very intelligent woman, he qualified her, was named Abigail. But the man who was a descendant of Caleb, we'll come back to that, was uncalled. He was brash, uncultured. That's what it means. He was Callish, he was stubborn and ill-mannered, qualified him. But that man was wealthy. So then you see somebody and say, hey, Baba, Baba. No, the person does not necessarily, it's not, it doesn't necessarily mean that God has, I mean, is, has elevated him to that place. But look, the scripture tells us here that this guy was a descendant of Caleb. I've grown to know that when scripture references things, they do it deliberately. Caleb was, Caleb was the man that said, you know what, give me this mountain. He enforced the promise that God gave to him through Abraham. So I can argue based on that premise that the reason why this guy was wealthy was because the promise was already in his generation. But if you read further in this scripture, this man died in sad death. This so-called wealthy man. Because at the time when he ought to show that righteousness and justice at the foundation of his throne as a king, he failed. Who is this David boy? Oh, that, try, trying me. And then his wife, that was the intelligent and wise one, went and appeased David. And David said, you know what? I won't, I won't come and destroy your household. The morning when the woman went to tell him what had just happened, what happened? He had a stroke, a heart attack, and he died. My prayer is that the people that continually oppress the voiceless, taking our wealth, that that will be their portion in the name of Jesus.
Amen. Okay, verse 17. I think we'll have time because of time. I'll round up now. Okay, so like Pastor will do, I give you 17 for your for your own your own homework. 17. Um 17. 22 and 22 to 31, we've been taught that already as well. In part one, we're told that wisdom and creativity are inseparable. And that's what um, 22 to 31 just alludes to. Wisdom was saying, I was there. When we read it earlier, you can just put it up. He was saying, I was there. When God created, I was there. I rejoiced with God, I was there. When he made the, set the boundaries, I was there, I was there. So, what's the point there? Let's us all find our creativity in godly wisdom. Wisdom is the root of our creativity. We have been told this year that we will create, amen? Amen? So let us all find our root of creativity in wisdom. Praise the Lord. Verse 20, 32, 34, we end with that. This one speaks of alertness, so I'll read. And it says, my children, listen to me for all who follow my ways are joyful. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Don't ignore it. Joyful are those who listen to me, watching for me daily at my gates. Watching daily at my gates, waiting for me outside of my home. That's why I said wisdom as a home. Just waiting for wisdom to comfort. So this speaks of alertness. Everybody say alertness. Wisdom is saying to us that we need to be alert. You need to have an alert listening ear. And when you hear what is being said, it gladdens your heart. Please put up that scripture. It gladdens your heart and you become happier. Why do you become happier? You become happier when you obey. When you obey to apply. That's when you become happier. It's not just hearing the word. Hearing the word is not just hap- makes you happy. To be a happy, fulfilled Christian, you need to go past the hearing of the word to the doing of the word. The obedience of the word. There's a major disconnect for Christians between what is heard and what is applied. And that's the reason why it seems that some of us, many Christians today, are not prospering. The word, the power has already gone for. There's wisdom available. But for that wisdom to manifest and bear fruits, you must apply. Everybody say apply. Praise the Lord. Finally, at the workers' meeting, we prayed. (laughs) Lord, Break me. And I prayed that prayer. Break me. We took the challenge of break me. I just have three questions I want to ask. If you're at the workers' meeting, let me put your hand. If you're, not, or if you're not at the workers' meeting, just put up your hand so I know you're not at the workers' meeting. But you're a worker. Okay, so you need to catch up. First question is, how many of us, now that we know that we're not being blessed for just hearing, the blessings comes from the application how many of us have consistently programmed our minds to stay broken? You don't need to raise up your hand. Just think about that. Program your mind. Come what me. The coffee in my cup will not spill. Second question. How many of us have begun reading the book undercover? Put up your hand for that one. <laughs> uh, less than 20% of... of Everybody say Obey. Third question, how many of us have deliberately gone back to listen to the past teachings on wisdom or reviewed our notes deliberately? Any of us? 
God bless you. I'll end with this scripture. Isaiah 50, verse 4 to 5 says, He awakens me every morning to hear as the wise. He awakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. The sovereign Lord has opened my ears. I have not been rebellious. I have not turned away. I have not been rebellious and I have not turned away. Wisdom is saying, every morning, you should hear me. Hear me how? Revisit the things you have been taught so that you can apply them. Don't let cobwebs build upon the notes. Many of us, and I am guilty, I mean, thinking about, when I was preparing, I thought about it. My tribe folder is full, but how many past messages have I attended to? Wisdom ended, this scripture ended, the passage of our scripture, Roman, um, Proverbs 8 ended by saying that if you ignore wisdom, so you can write that as lasting, you ignore wisdom at your own peril. At your own peril. You ignore wisdom at your own peril. If you wis- ignore wisdom, you do it at your own peril. Let's bow down our heads. Let's bow down our hearts. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.